Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you from a Phoenix Business Radio X Studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we'll be talking project management. Before we jump into the show, I just want to acknowledge Priya Petra and everyone who's been involved in the PMI Chapter Exchange Program. I was able to attend their event last Friday, and it was amazing collaboration and diversity from project management leaders around the world. They've been able to organize over 10 chapters uh, from Asia, Africa, Europe, U.S., collaborating and sharing ideas, uh, and they've done a fantastic job of that, and I think they're gonna, they plan to continue and grow that next year as well. Uh, so thank you for letting me be a part of it. Um, and. Another great example of during this COVID world we're in, how they've leveraged technology to bring the world of project management together in these events. So uh, congratulations to all the great work they've done and all the great work that they have planned for next year. I also want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad. They're the premier PMO and project management consulting firm in the U.S., offering project management as a service. Agile and project management resources, PMO consulting and training, and they help deliver, help you with all of your delivery needs. Check them out at www.thepmosquad.com. Also, a reminder to everyone to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to see all of our upcoming episodes and catch our prior episodes and listen to all of our amazing guests and the wisdom they have shared with us. Super excited today to have a uh, legend within the industry joining us. Uh, he was rocking out to the intro music as we were coming on board here. Cornelius Fickner is joining us from Tucson here in Arizona. We've been having guests join us from all over the world, so it's nice to have someone local. Welcome, Cornelius. Thank you very much for having me. Before we uh, jump in, I obviously want to give you a chance just to say hello to the audience and introduce you and let them know a little bit more about you. All right. Hi, everybody. My name, as Joe has said, is Cornelius Fischner. And my claim to fame, I would say, is the Project Management Podcast. Um, while Joe is the number one live on-air project management show, I'm uh, the number one project management show, period. <laughs> <laughs> I started the Project Management Podcast in 2005 um, when you know podcasts were just coming up, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. Um, so let's see, about 450-some episodes have gone out since then. I've been a project manager in Switzerland, Germany, the United States, and at some point I switched and became a PMP trainer. I've been very active in the Project Management Institute, and now I have my own company focusing training in project management. That's uh, 
quite a background you have and diverse right within our industry. You've hit, you're hitting all the media platforms, which has been fantastic. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll start off by, you mentioned, I guess it was 2005, I think you said, when yeah. you started the podcast. And podcasting wasn't very popular back there. How, how did you get started in that? It's all my wife's fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I have been complaining about wanting an MP3 player for a long time by then. And I've been moaning about, you know, iPads, uh, excuse me, iPods back then yeah. being so darn expensive and and then for my birthday in 2004 she bought me an ipad no an ipod my gosh it's been a long time (laughs) and not just a ipod she bought me the top of the line most expensive model you could get exactly what i would have bought myself if i hadn't and I was literally speechless for 30 minutes. And that, you know, people who know me, they understand that that is quite a feat. <laughs> and so, so I started listening to just, you know, music. That, that was my, my goal. Yeah. And then I heard this, this podcasting thing. And so I started to get into that a little bit. Uh, comedy shows and science programs and news programs. And so I was able to get news programs from all over the world. And at some point I was like, there's nothing for project managers that I can find. This came back two or three times to me. I always have these crazy ideas that never lead anywhere. But in this particular case, it came back so many times that I thought to myself, there must be something here. And in, I think, September it was, I went to a PMI conference, um, primarily focused on chapter meetings. So it was a a chapter event. And uh, I decided, you know what? I'm going to start the Project Management Podcast. And my first show is going to be all about this particular event and my what I've learned and just bringing PMI and my experience with PMI to my zero listeners <laughs> <laughs> at the time, obviously. And uh, yeah, it grew from there. I, uh, you know, I upgraded my my uh, equipment millions of times since then. At one point, my equipment got stolen out of my car. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a trip. And yeah, so my wife's fault that we're here today. Well, I'm glad it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever go back and listen to that first show again? Occasionally I do, and it's real cringeworthy. <laughs> um, uh, the, the one thing that I always notice is that back then I still had a, a much more British accent than I have today. Um, I went to Oxford to a language school in England to study English as a foreign language. And when I came out of there, my, I had an impeccable British accent because I was watching so much television at that age. I was about 17, 16, 17. And we had one uh, channel back in Switzerland, basically. And when I came to England, they had three or four at the time. It's like, oh, wow, this is great. So I was glued to the TV for hours every day. And so I got really, you know, the input from BBC. And I had a BBC accent. And that 
slowly went away after I came over here to the United States. Uh, I mean, that's the, the, the pros and cons about having a knack for languages. The pro is you learn it quickly and you, 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 know, you, you pick up accents yeah. easily. And then, of course, when once you move somewhere else, you pick up that accent. So uh, today, my, I, I call my, my accent confused uh, <laughs> because, yeah, it's, uh, you know, my German is beginning to push through. I have my British uh, accent still there somehow. I've lived in California for a long time. Now I live in Tucson, Arizona. So it, it's a total mess. Well, we get you over to Texas and you can start talking with a little bit of a, a little draw on top of that too. I think that <laughs> might not please my wife. <laughs> so have you ever done a uh, Swiss language show? Have you ever been in your native language to do one of your shows? I have not. And, and here's the thing. Project management in English is also a foreign language to me. Hmm. So when I came to the States and I got my first project management job, my who would become my boss back then, uh, Christine Munson, Christine Hayes Munson, excuse me, she handed me, I think it was a charter from a project that I would be working on. I read through that thing and I'm like, I hardly understand half of this mm. because of the terminology. Yeah. The terminology of German project management and English project management at the time back then was so different. You know, the Anglicisms hadn't entered the German language yet. Mm -hmm. And I read through this and I'm like, I'm going to have to brush up on my PM English. <laughs> and this is still today when I see some of my students uh, preparing for the PMP exam and they tell me that they failed. You know, one of the first things that I, I do is I, I look at where they come from. And more often than not, if they are coming from a non-native English speaking country, I recommend to them, you know, you may have an issue with the language, hmm. project management in your native language and project management in English and on the PMP exam, those are two different things. You literally have to learn a new language as a non-native English speaker taking the PMP exam. That's an interesting perspective. I never had uh, thought about it that way. But hey, that's uh, what all of the years of experience brings to the table, right? Are some of these key learnings. Yeah. As we think podcast, obviously, you've been doing it longer than anyone and, and more successfully than anyone. You've learned some lessons along the way. What, what would be some of those lessons that you would share with listeners out there? Mm -hmm. Well, very early on in the podcast, I had the same 10 questions that I closed my show with. Uh, have you ever seen Inside the Actors Studio, the TV oh, show? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And at the end, he always asks the same questions, right? So I, I built my 10 questions uh, based on this. And uh, one of the questions I asked is, what is more important, project management experience or industry experience? And uh, the, the simple answer is both. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, that that was actually quite enlightening. I always, you know, when I started, I always thought that, you know, the, the project management experience would be more uh, important. But as time went on and more and more of my guests answered that question with their own take on things, I realized as a project manager, you need both. 
Okay. I've been a project manager mostly in uh, IT and logistics, mm -hmm. banking as well. So if you give me a project in healthcare, you're putting people's lives at risk because I don't have the industry background. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even if you have the best team available to you, if you as a project manager don't have at least the basic background in the industry and understand what this is all about and where the pitfalls lie, you know, you are doing a disservice to your stakeholders and your sponsors because, you know, it's, it's not just a stretch assignment. It, it's a bad assignment, right? You need to have a certain understanding of what is going on in the industry and you need to be able to um, determine whether or not Everything is still going in the right direction. You don't need to be the absolute subject matter expert, but you need to be able to go, that doesn't sound right. Something's just not right here. And then you have to go around and find the people who either confirm or you know, disagree with you and say, no, 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 you, you got this wrong. Yeah. As I think about, you had mentioned here your number one podcast out there and, and no argument for me on that one. Our good friends in the local area here, the Colmy Group and Kim Essendroop has PM Happy Hour, uh, and we've got Project Management Officer. I think Arizona may be home of the Project Management Podcast Capital of the World. I think we're taking over. Possible. I, I don't really know. And I just want to make it clear when you say number one, the first. Well, it, it's not just the first, but on the timeline, yeah, that, that's certainly first. But then if you look at uh, a lot of if you look at just Apple podcast, right, uh, the top row of people when you search po project management podcast, you're right there uh, along with PM Happy Hour. I'm further down the list on that one, but at least I still right, make Andy the Kaufman page. is also there with the people in projects. Yep. And he's right. there. We've had him on the show and, and uh, Projectified is, is up there. Uh, but it, it, you're well, always not surprising, there. you know, a podcast supported by PMI <laughs> with half a million potential listeners around the world. Yeah, that's 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 really not. <laughs> it's an easy sell for them to get up towards uh, the top. I'm, but... I'm opening I'm opening my uh, my iPad right here and I'm going to uh, project management. Let's see what pops up. Uh, PM for the masses, of course, Cesar. He's also up there, right? Yeah, yeah. Happy Hour is there, Perfectified, Manage This is there. Uh, the, my Project Management Podcast, Project Management California, Southern School of Business. Yeah, there, I didn't know there's they, a, they had There's a, a few university programs that uh, yeah. that are in that list, and kudos yes. to them, but, but what's obvious from that is there's a lot of people who now have podcasts, especially yeah. since the time when you started one, would you recommend to people that they jump into the podcast space here in the project management land? That would have been my second lesson learned. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Don't. Doing a podcast sounds like it's a lot of fun. It is. And um, I always say that when it comes to the project management podcast, the person who learns most from every single show is me. Yeah. I am the number one beneficiary because I get to sit down with people from 
all around the world and I get to pick their brains and I get to ask them questions that nobody else can. Right? This is especially true when I go to PMI conferences and congresses. And what I do ahead of time is I get in touch with the various speakers. And instead of me attending their one-hour presentation, I sit down with them and I talk about their findings and their presentations. And, and I really you know, dig deep into what the topic is that they're talking about. But in order to do that, you have to prep. Mm -hmm. You have to set things up. You have to get in touch with people. You have to schedule. You have to, would you mind sending me your presentation, your white paper? You have to read it. You have to think about questions. You have. There is more to a podcast than just simply sitting down and starting to talk. And that's just the beginning. Then you have to maintain a website. You have to promote. You have to do marketing. Uh, in the beginning, I uh, did my own editing of all the audio files, which was fine because, you know, it was something you had to learn as well. But at some point, it was just getting too much. So now, after everything is done, I send the uh, audio files over to Dan, and Dan will take care of it. Dan, by the way, lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh. Yeah. What, a, what a coincidence, <laughs> right? So once again, the, the Arizona connection here uh, comes together. And then, you know, everything has to be put up and you, you have to um, find new guests. Um, luckily, I'm at the point right now where people come to me and say, I have a topic I would like to be on your podcast. Unfortunately, nine out of 10 of those are, I'm sorry, but you have never even listened to a single show. Otherwise, you wouldn't even have reached out to me. They're like, he is the CEO of, and I'm, I'm just picking one, of a, a chicken startup. <laughs> and he would like to talk to your audience about what a great, fun job it is to be a CEO of a startup. I'm like, really? Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate your contact, but you don't know what the show is all about. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, this is an on going job, literally, right? So this is my second job on, on top of what I do. And um, yeah, so don't. Don't do it. <laughs> Unless you are prepared to do it. And, the, and one, you know, case in point is go to your favorite podcast app, search for project management. You'll find 20, 30 podcasts on project management and look at when they started and how long it took until they published their final episode, right? So they were just, they pod faded, yeah. right? So they kind of did it for a while and then, okay, I'll do one in two weeks. I'll do another one in four weeks. I'll do another one in six months and then nothing after that. So it is a lot of work. Uh, you have to be technically adept. And uh, yeah, you have to have you have to have passion for your topic, and I think both you and I have that. D do you feel the same on, on your show? I mean, you, you this is worse. You're live. <laughs> if I hadn't shown up, what would you have done? Yeah, I, I would have winged it, man. I would have got the joke book out and started uh, telling some comedy routines in place here. The <laughs> right, I'm with you. It, it is a lot of work. I have the benefit of a radio station to help with all the production content, so that minimizes my job on the back end of the show. But all everything you mentioned on the front end is still in place. Where we have to get our guests, we have to uh, prepare for the show, we have to 
you want to build some camaraderie and rapport with your guests beforehand. So it's, it's not a forced discussion. So I try to meet with everybody at least once before the show itself. Um, it is a lot of work. It, it, it really is a second job. So I run. What the... did you do last time when I was supposed to be on the show, and I rung you up 24 hours <laughs> before, and I said, "I'm sorry, my brother is dying. I will not be able to attend the show the next day." What What did you do? So the format we had done pre-COVID and at the beginning of the COVID time was we had two guests per show. Oh. And one was local, and one was not local, usually international. Okay. So we always had a fallback. So in your case, we went from two guests down to one guest. Yeah. Uh, so, but now in the, in this COVID world we've done, uh, and to minimize the amount of work for me, because to your point, it's a lot of work. I've just gone to one guest and that formula has, has certainly helped on my workload. Technology has allowed us to, to have those guests be located anywhere. And we did have, I think it was actually the last show last year, we had a cancellation. I can't remember who that was. And uh, a prior guest uh, had come in and said, hey, how about I interview you? And I became the guest on my own show. So that's what we had to do. But yeah, it's fun. And we had to create a website, just like you mentioned. And every year we get more mature at what we're doing. I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm not a radio host. I'm not a podcaster. I'm a project management leader, right? Yeah, we both have faces for radio, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. No doubt about that. And a few months, probably about a month and a half ago, I had Elizabeth Heron on and I had reference to her. I said, you know, I think every one of these shows that I have is like a mentoring session for me. I get to sit down with Cornelius Fickner. I get to sit down with Elizabeth Heron, with Priya Patra, with Peter Taylor. And I get to learn how they started, how, how they've become successful, what they've done that hasn't worked or not worked. Uh, Harold Kersner telling me about the next book he's writing before everybody knows it's happening. You know, this is a great forum to get that, but boy, you got to put in a lot of work to get there in that seat. Uh-huh. And not everyone's going to show up just because you create a podcast. So it, you have to build a little bit of, uh, a reputation of putting in a quality show and, and then people, to your point, now people come to me as well and say, Hey, can I be a guest on your show? Uh, and that's nice uh, validation. I think when you get to that yeah, point, I agree. So yeah, well, should they start their own podcast? My answer to that one is be, be prepared for what your purpose <laughs> is and to put in the work to start a second job. And if you're not committed to do that, I'm with you. Don't start it. And heck, there's enough of us out there that are putting quality stuff out there. Just listen to what we're doing anyway. So PMP training in podcasting, kind of related because you're talking about the same topics on your show, but, yeah. but a different world, right? So how did you get into the training side of the business? I've always enjoyed training. So my, I don't want to say love for training, but my enjoyment of training started long before I started my podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I also was a Toastmaster, okay. uh, which helped a lot, you know, on air, in, in front of the microphone. And I also traveled with a uh, performing group for a year. 
So, you know, I had some performance on stage experience before that. And then uh, once I had my podcast and I became more involved in my local project management institute, Orange County in California, and I started teaching locally uh, for the PMP exam, I sort of put all of this together and said, how about if I take all that I have and just put that into this prep cost mm-hmm. thing? And that's how it started. It was one of those other crazy ideas. So at work, uh, five o'clock rolled around and I started writing up a script. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be lesson one of my PMP exam prep cost. And that uh, 2007, I think, something like that. I think something around that. And in 2008, my first audio version of the PMP exam, uh, the PM prep cost, excuse me, came out. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger ever since. And uh, today is, what, what is today? December the 3rd, right? It will end 28 days from today because uh, PMI is changing the rules on PMP exam training. And uh, going forward, all official training has to be live. So you can no longer have recorded training. Uh, The official PMI prep course can no longer be uh, recorded. It has to be live. So uh, that's uh, the major change there. Um, yeah, but uh, it's been quite a trip. Uh, it's a lot of work again. Um, whenever the exam changes, um, we invest four to five hundred thousand wow. dollars in developing an updated version just of the training course, mm-hmm. and that means you know uh, the materials that's. PowerPoint presentations, uh, the recording. Uh, so there are 15, 17 people involved every time when we upgrade it from one version to the next. Yeah, that's it's a, a, quite that's a heavy lift. Yeah. production process. And yeah. the name of your company, right, is OSP International, correct? Yes, and I'm not going to tell you what it means. Oh, that's where I was going next. Come on. <laughs> it's a joke between my wife and I. Uh, Again, if I had known more about marketing back then, <laughs> we would have chosen a company name that is different. Now, this is a this is an internal, just between her and me joke, uh, why we called it OSP International. All right. Your wife, obviously, a strong influence in your career. Yeah. yeah. Starting the podcast, involved in the name. Yeah, she's uh, she owns the company, 50%. And by the way, there is an official uh Translation for the OSP, it's the Office of Special Projects. Okay. But again, we had to come up with something. Yeah. Because we couldn't let anyone else know or let anyone else into the secret of what OSP really means. <laughs> well, it's it's nice to know, right? Uh, and be included in that circle. So you ran, you were the, you had mentioned Orange County PMI chapter. Mm-hmm. The majority of folks, obviously, in, in the PMI chapters are just chapter members, but I think you got more involved, correct? You, you kind of took over some leadership yes. there? Yeah, I got involved because I was unemployed. <laughs> and uh, I started out I started out taking tickets at the door, and I ended up 
as the chapter president. So that's that's kind of it, it didn't go from one to the next without there were a couple of steps in between um, helping out with the dinner meeting then uh, uh, programs director, um, helping out with PMP training, uh, president elect, uh, president. And, and so that it was just over over the course of about four years that I've worked my way uh, through the ranks there. It was PMI that really brought me to where I am now. And for that, I'm absolutely grateful to Christine Hayes-Monson, who at the time was in PMI, uh, saw what I was doing as a volunteer, liked what I did, had an open position, hired me, and then the two of us were sort of, you know, almost together at the hip, working at the office, as well as working for the chapter and promoting project management in uh, Orange County, California. I believe she was uh, president long before I became president. But, you know, we were on the board together. And so it was uh, it was a really uh, a growing experience and a learning experience um, to do something like that. Never had the opportunity to do, you know, sort of be in a leadership position back home in Switzerland in an organization like that. So that helped me a lot. Well, the lesson learned for, for everybody there is, hey, you can go from taking tickets at the door to the number one podcast for project management in the world, right? I mean, it's it's a long journey, but there's a start and a beginning there, right? Yeah. The, the, exactly. But in seriousness, the, uh, the point, I guess, to that is, as you mentioned, you hadn't had an opportunity to be in a position like that previously. And by getting involved and participating you can help advance your career beyond just the content you take in it at the chapter events. Um, there's career growth opportunities there to help you learn what leadership roles are and how to benefit there. So, uh, you know, thank you obviously for your leadership in the chapter and, and where it ended up, but I encourage uh, everybody to check out their local chapters and see how they can volunteer and invest time to see if they can help their own careers as well. Yeah. And uh, here's my recommendation. Um, at the time when I was unemployed and joined the chapter, that was a, a real economic downturn. So everybody was unemployed. Okay. And I had just come, moved to the States as well. So it was just everything happened at the same time. Don't join your chapter activities when you're unemployed. Join it now. Okay. Go there, become a volunteer, and help out now while you have a job. Mm-hmm. Invest the time today in your local chapter so that once the day comes and you are unemployed or you are looking for a new position, you have the connections and you can reach out to your colleagues who already know you, who've seen you, who understand who you are and you know where you stand and how you work and how reliable you are and what your background is. And it's going to be so much easier for you finding that next job than suddenly showing up at a dinner meeting going, hi, my name is Cornelius. I'm <laughs> unemployed. Can you help me? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's not going to work out that easy. Right. Yeah, it's great advice. And it, again, we're, we're in a period of high unemployment now, right? And yes. going through a downturn. And I think, obviously, we're going to come out of this both health-wise health and and economy-wise at some point, and those that have built up a strong network 
uh, during this are going to benefit more than the other. So great advice. Right. I think that's uh, wise yeah. uh, advice for everybody. Yeah. And even today, chapters have virtual events and they have need for volunteers to help out with these virtual events, whether it is, you know, working on the website, sending out invitations, calling up the guests, figuring things out, helping with the newsletter, writing project management articles. There is so much you can do from the comfort of your home office um, for your local chapter. Yeah, and I think the the other thing, again, we all have a little bit of Zoom fatigue these days, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I spoke at, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 different chapters this year across the, the U.S. and internationally. You can attend these things from anywhere. If you just see what other chapters are putting on, there may be a speaker there that you want to hear. You can still attend. You don't have to be a member of that chapter, right? Because mm-hmm. location doesn't matter anymore. Uh, so take advantage of your membership to to see what you can do for career development. You know, as I think, uh, as you were describing earlier, you talked about the, you know, the change in the program and how you can't offer it online anymore. I'll ask the question, are you going to be offering your course in person? You said it has to be a live course. So how do you react to that? So just a quick correction here. You can no longer offer it recorded. Recorded. Okay. Right. It has to be instructor led. Gotcha. So that means it can be virtual instructor-led, just like you and I right now over Zoom, or it can be live instructor-led. And, um, well, we're in the middle of the uh, global pandemic still. Um, Guess what most training companies are doing right now? They are doing virtual instructor-led. That's exactly where we are going as well. Uh, The first course that we are doing right now is, is ongoing this Saturday, so two days from now, the last day of this five-day, five-Saturday course will be uh, starting. And then we have uh, 12, I believe, 12 students who are then going to be taking the new PMP exam in January of 2021. And we are now also starting to schedule the first courses for January. Uh, We expect the interest to be uh, dropping because everybody's uh, right now preparing for the current exam, obviously, trying to get it done before it changes over. So in January, we are only going to be spinning up two classes um, simply because we expect there will be a a low, um, you know, that the market will be at a, a little bit of a dip. And then February, March, it will start picking up again with people going, it's the new year. I want to become PMP certified. And then they look into it. And then they realize, oh my, I should have done it last year. It would have been, and I'm using air quotes here, it would have been easier yeah. because I would have been able to do a self-study course. And now I must attend a five-day course with an instructor. There's no way around it anymore. And how can folks find, uh, find you to sign up for that training? Uh, okay. Uh, so for that particular training, it's pmprepcast.com. Okay. We want to make sure people get out there and uh, use that. Obviously, the success, I think it's what, over 60,000. Just think about that. 60,000 project managers that you've helped become certified. Is that, did I get that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, clarify a little bit. 60,000 project managers who have gone through my exam prep training. Right. So there's a difference because we do not know exactly 
how many people have actually taken the exam after sure. they have taken our course. Yep. And we also do not know how many have actually passed. PMI does not release those numbers. And uh, our students are not obligated to tell us whether or not they have passed. So if you see any kind of marketing out there saying, we have a 100% pass rate, they're lying to you yep. because they really don't know. Well, the bottom line, obviously, there is uh, the quality content that you guys provide yeah. or helping people. So at 60,000, you know, it's going to be a high number. And, and that's a significant impact in our industry, right? So I want to make sure Indeed. that as we come into a new format of how to be able to conduct that training, that people yeah. still have access and know you're out there and to be able to get that quite a quality training from you. You know, and we had had um, a prior show, Sierra Hampton Simmons from PMI on. Uh, and Lee Lambert, we kind of did a history of the PMP from uh, yeah, beginning to uh, current state. So it was uh, an entertaining show for folks who haven't heard that one. I recommend and go back. Lee's an interesting character as well. Quite, quite. quite. That's, uh, I always call him PMP number one. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, because he developed help or was instrumental in developing the PMP exam. But then I learned he's not PMP number one. He couldn't take the exam for 10 years. Right. He shared that he on the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's somewhere around 6,000 and something. Yeah. Right. Imagine and, that and, you, you come up with the test and you can't even become certified. Yeah, How horrible exactly. is that? It's, uh, and uh, yeah, PMI really, uh, you know, uh, put a, a roadblock in front of them there for 10 years. It's like, wow. And he was the only one of the people who uh, developed the PMP exam with him, who then also 10 years later decided, I'm going to take this now. Yeah. And he's, uh, I know I don't, I had some good interactions with Lee recently. He's a great guy. I, I enjoy him and he's active on social media and still congratulating uh, folks when they post that they've certified and uh, he wears that badge proud as he should, right? To help uh, get that going. Uh, you also mentioned the 17 people or so that every time there's a shift, it has to help put together a new program for you, right? The amount mm -hmm. of people it takes. People have to, I think, recognize and appreciate that what you do, you're not doing by yourself and there's a team oh, yeah. behind you. How do you start a company like that? And, uh, and then how has it grown to be what it is today? I'm pretty honest about this one. I stumbled over a good idea and that idea took off. Mm -hmm. And I really have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 I've, I've always seen myself more as an employee type person and not as a CEO type kind of a guy. Sure. Um, but over the years, you know, you, you had to step up. I had to step up. I had to learn. I had to expand my experience and just become the leader of this company. Right. But deep down, I'd much rather record an interview with a guest and <laughs> publish a podcast, frankly, than, than be the, the, you know, the, the boss of a 22 people company. Um, yeah. How does this happen? Uh, it, literally, I stumbled over this idea. I started falling forward mm -hmm. and I'm still hoping that I'm not, and you know, with my face in the mud at some point. Okay. Um, you learn. You start with the idea, you put it out there. How, how do I take credit card payments? I had no idea. I had to learn that. Oh, I need a shopping cart. What, what shopping? How, how do I sell a podcast? How? Oh, bookkeeping. How, whoa, wait. <laughs> Income tax. <laughs> uh -uh. So all of this is not something that you learn within 24 hours. This is something that just happens. At some point, I realized 
I needed help with support and I uh, reached out. I found a virtual assistant. Uh, her name is Maricel and uh, she's still with us today. Wow. So our first, uh, our first uh, team member or second team member rather is still with us today. And she's, uh, you know, still stellar performer on the team. It's like, she's been with us since 2007. So that's awesome. Yeah, quite, quite uh, a feat, you know, having, somebody like that and then you know you bring your own personality into into your company as well and um uh, this is the one thing that i'm really proud about it, you know people always like yeah we are a family and all that <laughs> yeah i never bring that up everybody else brings that up mm. right so everybody else calls our team a family right and uh, for example in a few days we're going to have uh, an all hands meeting and we're going to have a virtual Zoom event. We have a singer. We invited a singer to wow. come and, and sing to us. So this is going to be a real family-friendly uh, event where people are sharing Christmas photos. And so it's going to be this, you know, this, this gathering. Uh, so bring your personality into the company. Make it fun for you, right? This is, this is your thing. And uh, if you want to have your own company, then make it yours. That, that's all I can say. But yeah, there are going to be learning curves and there are going to be good times and hard times and, and really difficult times. And right now we are reinventing ourselves because we have to change from, we're really good at doing pre-recorded PMP training. Yeah. And now we have to go to, we're not allowed to do that anymore. We have to do live PMP training. Where do we find all these trainers? And you know, the price is going to get shoot up. And so all of these questions and, you know, being able to, to navigate those, those storms, that's, that's going to really test you. Okay. And it kind of goes back when you talked about, don't start a podcast. It's understand. <laughs> it's not a company yeah, either. Exactly. Right. I mean, I got the PMO squad. I started almost eight years ago now, and I can tell you that's been a lot harder than the radio show. And, and we said, don't start the radio show or podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think a, not a day goes by where I don't think as I'm falling forward, am I going to fall down? Right. And, and the, the, uh, desire to not embarrass myself or fall on my face, make sure that we're working hard enough to ensure that doesn't happen. Right. It, it's a hard deal to start your own company, but, Indeed. but it's equally as rewarding, right. For the amount of yeah. effort you get in, uh, there's great reward. And, um, as you mentioned, you, you're always thinking you had to reinvent your business, and I'm sure it's not the first time. Just a uh, a teaser for everybody. At the beginning of the year, there'll be a another business venture coming from PMO Joe in the PMO industry. Ooh. Um, so everybody be on the lookout for that. We've got some uh, some of the leaders within the industry are joining forces to to help us launch something that I think is going to be a game changer for the PMO industry and encourage everybody to stay tuned for that. There's supposed to be like special music that plays after you say that. Yeah. But. You know what I'm going to ask you about once we are all fair, right? Yeah. Well, hey, that's <laughs> feel free to ask now. I might not be able to answer. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to. See, um, now also, as you think about this, right, you've, we've talked a little bit about how PMP is involved, uh, the test is involved, the PMI is at the core of that, and that's kind of evolved. There's this Brightline initiative out there that's mm -hmm. project. So project management and the project economy, right, we're, we've now become a business, this 
this industry is becoming a more of a business. How do you view that, right? What's your take on that? As somebody that's in, you're part of this project economy right. in multiple places, right? Okay. Yeah. So when you, when you talk about project and business, we, we have to differentiate between two things. Um, we have to, to differentiate about the, the business of project management. Like what I'm doing is, you know, I'm selling project management training. So I'm turning project management into a business for me and I'm making it into a company and so I can pay salaries. And so, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm using the industry to have a good living. Yeah. And then on the other side, there is the project business, which is a company that sells its project management experience to its clients. Mm -hmm. For example, when you build a house, are you really buying a house or are you buying the experience of your architect and general you know, contractors in managing the project? Okay. Yeah. And that is what you really buy. You're buying a project from them. So the business of project management, like me, like you, you have a PMO company, right? You, you deal with, you help PMOs, you help companies get better at project management. So you take project management and turn that into your business. Yeah. But other companies, they deliver projects as their business. We are a software development company. No, no, no. You are a company that sells its project management expertise to develop software to your clients. Hmm. So an interesting right? spin on things. Oh, of course. Think about it this way. Internal projects and external projects. Mm -hmm. PMI focuses exclusively on internal projects. My sponsor from the um, logistics department comes to me and says, I need something done. Mm -hmm. Here is a charter. That's an internal project. Sure. Okay. I, and this is literally happening at the moment, I need a new shopping cart for my website. So I'm looking around for a company that has experience, not in just selling me that new shopping cart, but working with me to determine the requirements and then help the build. So I'm buying their project management skills, business analysis skills in order to help me, who has no idea about shopping carts, get that new shopping cart set up and implemented into my business. So I'm literally buying a project from them. And to me, that is the more interesting side of project management, project business. So the external projects, I'm selling my project management experience to my customers. That's what they're really buying. Yes, they're buying a shopping cart, but what I'm really doing for them is I'm managing a, the shopping cart project for them. I'm managing the house project for them. I'm managing the development of the new Boeing 737 Dreamliner for Boeing, right? So I am selling my project management experience for them. The number of projects that are in on this side 
of project management are greater than internal projects. Okay, so it's yeah. it's over fifty percent, and this is where the Project Business Foundation stepped in. Um, this is a, uh, a development from earlier this year. The Project Business Foundation was uh, founded by uh, Oliver Lehmann, good friend of mine from yeah. Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also known in the PMP training space. And he realized that nobody is helping that customer. And by that customer, I mean the company that does external projects almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. PMI doesn't really serve them. PMI serves project managers like you and I who lead projects internally, but PMI does not focus on external projects, does not focus on the companies that do all these external projects. Right, And so we, as a training company, are now working with the Project Business Foundation mm. to develop training for project managers that exclusively work on external projects. Now, this is not a new methodology. We're not talking about, oh, this is, I don't know, Scrum for external projects. Right. I call it Scrax, whatever. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. The methodology and the content are different. The, the skills are different. So what you need to know as a project manager for internal projects, you can get that from what PMI is doing. Mm -hmm. But when you're really dealing with external projects, there are so many more aspects that you have to be aware of. For example, the very complex relationships. If, if we're talking about an international uh, project, where a you know a a company buys a project from somebody else who then subcontracts that out and subcontracts it out again so that in the end almost the, the fourth subcontractor is once again the company that originally started the project you know you have all these highly complex um combinations of of companies working together so that type of understanding of how do you manage a a global project like that um, is, is part of the skill, part of the content that you need to understand when you get into project business management. It doesn't sound sexy at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I sell clothing. I'm in the retail business. Yeah. I sell shoes. I'm also in the retail yeah. business. Right? I sell project management. Well, I'm in the project business. Mm -hmm. right? So that's why it's called project business. When I first heard of this, you know, I thought, that's not a good name. <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Right? It's the retail business. It's the project business. It's the aerospace business. It's the, the insurance business, whatever the industry is. And in our particular industry, right, it is the project business. We sell project management as our primary experience, as our primary uh, skill to companies out there who don't have that skill. So this is a somewhat new topic to me, I think. I, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, how do we learn more about that? Is, is there, you mentioned right. Oliver is uh, active in this yeah. year. Is there 
I think you called it the Project Business Foundation. Is that mm-hmm. a, a website we can go to? Where can we get more information? Indeed, yes. So the Project Business Foundation is uh, is available. Uh, they are online right now, and you can go uh, see them there. Uh, of course, that that is the moment when I'm completely blanking, and I cannot uh, project dash business dot org. I believe does. Um, typing this into my uh, yes, it's project-business.org. That is uh, where they are located at. Or if you would like to learn more about it, then I also have several interviews already about Project Business on the podcast. So go to pm-podcast.com and look for the uh, Project Business related interviews that we have there. Uh, You can just search for Project Business in the search bar and you'll get about four or five. It is an emerging topic. Mm -hmm. That's that's quite clear. Um, But like I said, you know, when Agile started to emerge, Agile wasn't new per se. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily a new methodology, a new approach. Uh, It was already there. It was just starting to emerge and it became, it started to get into people's heads. It's the same with project business right now. Um, (laughs) If you think back to the the Egyptian pyramids, right, they probably bought a lot of experience from others like stonemasons and things like that. They help them manage the project of building the pyramids, right? So this is also thousands of years old, but now it's becoming, uh, it's coming into its own and, and people are starting to realize that so many more projects are done on the project business side that are done on the internal side, mm-hmm. that this is something that we need to help people with and help the project managers with because usually a project doesn't fail because of the methodology that you're using projects fail because of the people, the skills, and, you know, the coordination, the communication. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into one of the services we offer with the PMO squad. We call it PMO as a service and essentially having organizations that their specialty is building widgets, not producing projects or managing and leading projects. So just like you've outsourced your data retention, your payroll, your legal services, your tax services, um, why not outsource what you're not good at on executing projects? Why fail 50% of your projects when you can bring in expertise to help with that? I think there are some synergies there with what you're talking about, and I, I'm definitely going to take a look out there. I recommend everybody else does as well. Learn more about that, and that could be another offline conversation we have to, to see uh, how I can get involved in that and learn more about what you guys are doing. Well, we are... Uh, you know, I say this every show, so it's, you know, every listener probably thinks, oh, here comes Joe again with his, I can't believe we've made it through another hour. They go by so quickly. But here we are. We've made it through another hour and it went by so quickly. Obviously, Cornelius, thank you for joining uh, today and sharing your story with everybody. Uh, thank you. I enjoyed myself. You know, great insight for folks. And, you know, the reason why we do this show is to help people out there who are listening know that somebody has walked their path before them and it's okay to to learn from experience um, and maybe not have to fail on their own because they can know what you did or what I did or what Elizabeth did or Dr. Kersner did as they were in their career journey. Um, And you gave some great advice for uh, starting a business, podcasting, 
uh, working within the industry, uh, getting mentoring from others, getting uh, involvement within your PMI chapter. So I think a lot of great nuggets uh, from having you on today. So I really appreciate that. Here, as we wind up the show, I would just want to give you one last opportunity to uh, be able to let folks know how they can get in touch with you, uh, where they can get uh, access to the show, to your training, and and all the different platforms that you have out there for folks. Right. So my name is luckily or unluckily extremely unique. So if you want to find me personally, and uh, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn. Twitter. Just look for Cornelius Fichtner. If you find somebody called by that name, it is me. Uh, <laughs> there's only one with that name in the world. That makes it easy. It also makes it hard because people have no idea how to spell my name. That, that, that's the other <laughs> thing. Um, if you're looking for PMP training, then please visit pmprepcast.com or pm prepcast.com, one of those. And if you're interested in my project management podcast, then, you know, you can just search for project management podcast or simply go to pm-podcast.com. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I recommend everybody go out there and listen to some of, or all of uh, Cornelius's shows. They're definitely informative. Um, and I think you will all learn a lot uh, listening to him and his guests that he has on there as well. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, of course, to all our listeners. Without listeners, we really don't have a show. Uh, be sure to go out and visit to projectmanagementofficehours.com. Uh, we finish out the year with Kieran Bondale, who'll be joining us from Canada. And we start next year with Billy Moape from Africa, be our first guest joining from Africa. So super excited for that. We're working to finalize our lineup for next year. Uh, we do have Fatima Abuchi lined up for February as well. And we'll be uh, publicizing more of those um, guests soon. So we have another great lineup for next year. Also a reminder, these shows are live, yes, but we do record them and release them as a podcast. So please subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. And thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn more about the purpose-driven PMO and all of their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.